The presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak is Down in Front Productions. Not only are they the official video provider of Jacksonville State Athletics, but they're available to film your important event. They provide high-quality video services for your business or event at competitive prices with a personal approach. They specialize in sporting events, wedding videography, and business videography, but also provide videography and video editing work for other events such as seminars, commercials, and concerts. Give Dustin and the crew a call at 205-588-0864 or visit their website, D-I-F-P-B-H-A-M, that's D-I-F-P-B-H-A-M.com for more details. Down in Front Productions, the presenting sponsor of Behind the Beat. Down the sideline, Hester caught it, 10, 5, touchdown, touchdown, Jackson State. He'll lose traffic, he'll drive it down and jam it in. Oh my, Jamal Gregory, highlight real time, Sports Center top 10 time. This is Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tyler Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. I'm Tyler Brown alongside Avery Davis for episode 11 of the series. Today's guest is the newly named Hall of Famer and former baseball star, Mr. Clay Whittemore. I sat down with him and had a great conversation I think you'll enjoy, and then we'll play you his acceptance speech from the JSU Athletics Hall of Fame induction banquet. We'll have that for you in just a few moments, but first we have a few housekeeping notes that we need to get to first. If you're looking for previous episodes of Behind the Beak, and want to get caught up, you can find those by searching Behind the Beak on Apple Podcast app and Spotify. Or by going to jsugamecocksports.com slash podcast. And if you haven't already, click the subscribe and follow buttons to be alerted when new episodes are available. We have a slight change to the podcast release schedule to tell you about. With the crossover season here, my responsibilities with the basketball team ramping up, Avery and I will be cutting back on releases. Rather than releasing a podcast weekly, we're going to be releasing the podcast every other week. So look for episode 12 to be released Tuesday, December 3rd. Before we get to our interview, we want to congratulate the JSU volleyball team on its recent OVC championship. The ladies defeated Tennessee State 3-1 on Saturday, November 16th to clinch the title for the first time since 2009. We want to wish them the best of luck in the upcoming OVC volleyball tournament, which is being hosted by JSU beginning Thursday, November 21st. For more info on the tournament and the schedule of matches, visit jsugamecocksports.com. Today's guest is one of the most recent inductees into the JSU Athletic Hall of Fame, former baseball star Clay Whittemore. He became JSU's first D1 Baseball All-American and helped lead the Gamecocks to two Ohio Valley Conference championships after transferring to JSU after one year at Georgia. He's the ninth baseball player to be inducted into the Hall, but the first from the Jim Case era. So here to introduce Clay is Jacksonville State head baseball coach Jim Case. Thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight to introduce Clay. There's a couple of things I want to say before I get going. I promise you I'm not going to say them as long as Coach Hobbs did. But <laughs> there's, there's a couple of things I do want to say. One is I've always sat there to watch this ceremony. Sitting here and seeing the faces of the families, oh, it's priceless. And I know you all are proud, and you should be. We're proud. We're proud because we, we know these, uh, we've seen all these people compete and we know what kind of a contribution they've made to our school. But I don't think the way we're proud matches 
the faces I see. So I welcome all of you and, and uh, join you in congratulating your loved ones. This is a strong class. This is a very strong class. And, and as I, I looked at it and I thought about it, uh, some of the best players in these sports that, are, that have ever played at Jacksonville State, they're here, right here tonight. And just the competitive nature of the three of these, if we could take that and put it in a starting pitching staff, <laughs> this might be a heck of a year right here. So, but what an honor it is for me uh, to be able to introduce Clay Whittemore to you. Uh, Clay was a, a, a special player for us in so many ways. And as many times as, as all of us get opportunities to speak, I think I was probably uh, more nervous thinking about this because I, I just wanted it to be something that that did justice to Clay, and and at the same kind time, kind of told what he has meant uh, to this program. And you know, I think for all of us, when we first start out and we're thinking about uh, the ones that we're introducing, certainly when I'm introducing Clay, I think about him as the player that he was and and what he did for us as a player and some of the things that were talked about up there whether it's being a three-time OVC all OVC performer or twice being picked by the coaches as the best player in our league I mean that stands out to me that the coaches think that much of him but there's a there's a couple of things that really stood out to me and just shows how consistent he was as a player for us. And one is that he played in 171 games and got 258 hits. You're, you're not having too many off nights when you get 258 hits in 171 games. And when I read that, I had to just let it sink in a little bit. And then that he had 175 RBIs in 171 games. So he, had, he knocked in more than one every game. That's just incredible to me. And, you know, there's a lot of different guys. Some guys are prospects, you know, and, and then some guys are ball players. And if you've got several ball players on your team, you're going to win a lot of games. Not necessarily prospects sometimes. Guy might be able to throw 100 miles an hour and he's a great prospect, but he can't throw it over the plate. A ball player can throw it over the plate. A guy might be able to hit a ball 450 feet, but he can't ever get a big hit with a, with a runner in scoring position in two outs. Ball players seem to always get that big hit with a runner at second, two outs. Clay, to me, when I look at him as a player, he was a ball player. That's what he was, and that stands out. But there was other things about Clay as well. The league player, the league coaches, as I said, picked him as the best player twice. He was certainly gifted. He was certainly athletic. Some of that was through hard work, and some of it I feel like is just being blessed. You know, some guys are just blessed with more ability than others. But, but with that ability that he was blessed with, he took it and he really did something with it. When you t think about work habits, and really I'm thinking all three of, of these players, uh, but when I'm talking about Clay, when I think about the work habits that he had, Clay, if we had the stadium we have now, I'm not sure you would ever leave that place uh, because we didn't have that at that point and you were there all the time. There was two things that you could not find when Clay Whittemore played baseball here. 
One is you couldn't find marshmallows, those little marshmallows. And it wasn't because he was eating them. He had this theory that if you put a broomstick in his hand and somebody threw those little marshmallows, he would be able to hit breaking balls better. So he would go buy those marshmallows, guys would throw them to him, and he would practice hitting marshmallows with a broomstick. And then he would get black-eyed peas. And only certain guys could throw those. Uh, Todd Cunningham was a guy he trusted to throw the black-eyed peas. But the black-eyed peas were thrown and trying to hit because that would simulate the fastball. So the parking lot would be littered with marshmallows, black-eyed peas. He's going to hit everything there is to hit. But my point is with him, everything that he did had a purpose. And he was trying to be the best player that he could be, and he was trying to set an example. And so it carried over into everything that he did. There, there's some guys who are like that, most are not. But everything that he did, he wanted to be the very best. So even if you were conditioning, he wanted to finish first. He never wanted to finish second. He wanted to finish first. And so what he did was he was a leader to us in so many ways because he set that example. And it carried over for years to come. And I'll tell you real quickly, Todd Cunningham, who one of the best players that we've had fairly recently, you know, is in the, in the big leagues. But when he was in high school, he came to watch us practice one day. And we were running that day, and we ran what these things we call triangles. They're no fun. But sometimes they'll get people's attention. And <laughs> Clay was, every time we ran a triangle, he was winning by 20, 30 yards. He was really running away and winning it. And Todd Cunningham came, who's a high school senior at the time, and he said, Coach, when I get there next year, I want to be in his group. Everything that he does, if he's hitting in a cage, I want to hit in a cage. If he's lifting weights, I want to lift weights with him. When he's running, I want to run with him. And I said, hey, what, that's kind of creepy. You know, uh, what's, what's the deal? And he said, if he's the best player in this league, I want to do what he does. And so to me, that was a great job of leadership like Clay Whittemore and leading a young guy that turned out to be a great player. But it went even further, and I'll make this brief. But during that year, and I think Clay knew that Todd looked up to him as a young guy. He, here he is just one player of the year and big guy on campus and best player in our league and on and on. But on Friday nights, that was Todd's night. So after all the week of practice, that year on Friday night, Clay took Todd out to dinner every Friday night and they spent time talking about how for him to be a better player and for how to, how to him to reach his potential. Is that the reason Todd Cunningham made it to the big leagues? I don't know. But I guarantee it didn't hurt anything. And there's so much love and appreciation for him towards Clay, it's unbelievable. You can't talk about Clay Whittemore and not mention what kind of student he is. In our program, since I've been here, uh, the very first day and then continuing on after that, we talk about principles in our program. And the one that we talk about first is we say we want you to study hard and go to class and we in some form or fashion we talk about that to our players every day and we've had a lot a lot of great students come through the program none better 
than Clay Whittemore because the same amount of effort that he put into the baseball, he also put that in to the schoolwork. And I didn't even know this. He, he told me tonight that when he started the first year, he went to the University of Georgia. And he said, Coach, I really didn't do that there. And I found that hard to believe because anything that I've ever known him to be associated with, he's always tried to be the very best. And he was a leader for our team in the classroom, so much so that in 2006, 2007, he was named a member of the JSU Scholar Hall of Fame. And I guarantee he's just as proud of that as he is of being the best player in the OVC. To finish this, I just want to say this, um, and I say this from my heart. Uh, every coach, every person who's ever coached, and I don't care what sport it is, they want a guy like Clay Whittemore on their team. I promise you, there's always a place for a Clay Whittemore on the team. I follow that up by saying every parent, every parent that's ever walked face of this earth, they would love for their son to grow up to be just like Clay Whittemore. I promise you, if they do that, you're going to be happy. And then lastly, I would say every parent who's ever had a daughter, you want them to marry somebody <laughs> just like Clay Whittemore. He is, he is the absolute best that there is. Um, I think that, you know, sometimes there's certain people that make everybody around them better. That's Clay. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a, it's a trainer or whether it's the head coach or whether it's that freshman outfielder that's coming into your program. If you spend time with him, you come away better. So I hope that you'll join me in welcoming Clay Whittemore to the JSU Athletic Hall of Fame. Join us today on the podcast, uh, now Hall of Famer Clay Whittemore, former baseball star at Jacksonville State. Uh, Clay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Good to be here. So obviously you're in town for the Hall of Fame banquet, which is we're recording this on Friday, so Hall of Fame banquet's tonight. Tell me what it means to go into the Jacksonville State Hall of Fame. You um, are the ninth baseball player to go into the Hall of Fame and a ton of great names among those baseball players. Tell me what it means to you to go in. Well, you know, I, when I first got the call, I was completely surprised. Greg, I saw Greg calling me on my phone. And I thought, well, hey, maybe he's in town and we're going to go get some food or something. And, uh, you know, he, he said, well, congratulations. I wanted to tell you you've been inducted. And I, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, I, I never imagined, I never put myself uh, in the same, um, I guess, group of names. Uh, and, and so to, to be even named there is uh, something that I I could have never imagined. I certainly didn't um, think about that, um, you know, when I was playing. Um, but, uh, you know, I came away from Jacksonville State with a lot of good uh, memories. Um, I felt like uh, I left it, you know, better than I found it in, in some small way. But, um, you know, the, the Hall of Fame to me is um, is really a, you know, it's more than I could ever, you know, ever hope for or ask. I, I can't believe it. And I think I mentioned this just a few seconds ago. You're the ninth baseball player to go in, but you're the first of Jim Case's guys to go into the Hall of Fame. What does Jim Case mean to you, and what does it mean to be his first player to go into the Hall of Fame? Well, that's a really deep question. Um, you know, Coach Case, I, 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 um, 
last year when we dedicated the stadium to Coach Case, I, I thought it was very telling that we compiled, I didn't, but a 30-minute video, baseball players, baseball coaches, talking about a baseball stadium named after Coach Case, and for 30 minutes, hardly anybody talked about baseball. And I'm going to mention that tonight. You know, I think that's a pretty indicative of what kind of person Coach Case is, and it makes a difference playing for somebody like that. You know, if you think you're sending your 18- to 20-year-old kid away from home, you want to put them under the influence of somebody that's um, trustworthy. And to me, you know, baseball is baseball, but when you can have a, a relationship with a coach where you can see his personal investment in you, um, not only does that, you know, make you feel secure and, and, and help you, you know, really feel, you know, kind of, um, you know, at peace with where you are and, and what you're trying to do with your life, but, you know, it also helps you um, establish trust with your teammates. It creates an environment where, you know, you go out and, it, and, and you'll, you'll break your back for the man next to you because, you know, you're all a family. If you've got somebody in there who only cares about wins and losses, and wins and losses are important, but if that's all you care about, people can see through that. And it's, it's hard to come in and, and give it your all when you know that um, that's where the personal investment stops, at the win-loss record. Coach Case didn't like that. So, you know, to answer your question, Coach Case means a great deal to me. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we, we still have a relationship. If we didn't, um, after I left Jacksonville State, I would be very disappointed. And I'm glad to say that's not the case. The group that you're going in with, uh, tennis coach Steve Bailey, Matias Anselmo, the golfer, and then Abby Bright from volleyball, which Abby and yourself both won the Eagle Owl Award the same year. We found a photo of that <laughs> yeah. with you two together. Yeah. What does it mean to go in with that class? And I know I think a lot of times with college <coughs> Hall of Fames, you go in with, if, if you're lucky enough to be inducted, you go in with a lot of people that you've heard of but you maybe don't know personally. But I think all three of these you can say that you mm -hmm. knew. What does it mean to be included with these three well, others? Well, Matias, those are some big names. I mean, really big names. I think they're, you know, you know bigger than mine, certainly. And, um, you know, Matias was here for, I think, two years and then went on to tour. Um, that's incredible in and of itself. And then, you know, Abby Bright, I, you know, we, we won the Eagle Owl together. She is probably the most dominant, um, I guess, player that I've ever played with kind of in the, at, at the same time. I've never seen anybody dominate like she was able to do. Um, and she, you know, she played for, you know, four years. And, you know, some of the stuff that she did, I don't think there will – I mean, it, it's hard to imagine a scenario where somebody surpasses that. Uh, and so, you know, to, to be in, you know, with a, with a class like that is um, – it, it kind of makes you feel really small. You know, there are some really big names. You both won the Eagle Owl Award, and you and Abby have a lot of similarities in your individual sports. Mm -hmm. Abby helped put Jacksonville State Volleyball on the map, taking them to two regionals, their first OVC championship. And then you yourself, you became the first Division I All-American for Jacksonville State, took JSU to the NCAA regional as well. You've got a conference championship ring. What does it mean to you, and you mentioned it before, you believe you left Jacksonville State Baseball better than what it was when you got here. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me what it meant to be able to put JSU baseball on the map as a Division One program. Well, you know, I, I think um, there's there were a lot of people that I played with that had a lot of good stats, and so I think you have to start with um, the group of players 
it, it wasn't just a one man or two man. We had good players on both sides. Um, you know, we had some really good uh, uh, pitchers. You know, Donovan Hand was a, was a great player for us. We had some great um, offensive players too. Um, I think, you know, if I think just at the, the group of outfielders, you know, our outfield core, you know, you got guys like Nick Kleckler led the OBC in hitting his junior year. You have Daniel Ad- Adamson, who was freshman all-team, Todd Cunningham. Everybody knows who he, knows who he is. Um, and then you have depth at, you know, positions, you know, with like, you know, Brian Piazza and, and, and people like that. That's a that's a pretty solid group of players. And so uh, you look at the on-base percentages of your, you know, one, two, three, four guys and the guys who, who come before me. Every time I, I come to the plate, there's there's not somebody in scoring position. There's at least somebody on first base many times. And so, you know, we did a really good job, I think, uh, putting ourselves in a p- position to win a lot of games, and it worked out for us. Um, and in that way, I felt like, um, you know, over time, I, I think at one time we had uh, we had the conference record for, for most wins, I think, uh, like 23 and 4. I think that may have been surpassed you know, here in the last few years, but, you know, that doesn't happen with one player in the game of baseball. Um, I, I think where I take a lot of satisfaction and where I feel good is I felt like I did my part. Um, and certainly it wasn't all of it, uh, but it was a portion of it. And, you know, where I was called upon, I felt like I did what I could with what I had. Uh, and, and I think everybody would on the team would say the same thing. I, you know, the, the collective effort, I think, and the, the bond that that created with them, among the players, that's what made it so special. It wasn't just the success. I mean, yeah, we went to a regional, won a conference tournament, uh, won the regular season, um, and did a lot of great things. But that's not special if you don't care for the people you play with. And that was 100% the case with our teams. And so uh, from the coaches all the way down to the players, it really was a you know once-in-a-lifetime uh, experience. So that's kind of what made it special for me. I, you know, it's it was sad to, to see it end, but – it's hard to be only sad about something like that. I mean, there's a lot of good to, to, to feel really positive about. Probably your biggest moment was in 2006 <laughs> against Sanford in the OVC tournament. You hit a walk-off double that takes you guys to the NCAA regional and gets you that championship ring. Walk me through that moment and tell me about that play. Well, you know, I, that's one of the memories that, uh, you know, some of the memories kind of fade into black and white, but that one's still in color. For, for sure. Um, so that, that, that pitcher uh, for Sanford, you know, he had been pitching. Um, it wasn't the first time I faced him. Uh, he had, I'd struggled against him during the year. Um, he had a, a slider that I was just really had a hard time with. And earlier in the game, in fact, the, the at-bat before, he had thrown me a slider and I nubbed it back to the pitcher, the second baseman. I can't remember which one. Easy out. I think there may have been a runner in scoring position. So that was, you know, a, a bitter pill right there and it was probably inning um five or six and uh the next time up you know sure enough he's still in the game and um runners are in, in the right places and uh, it's a critical point and uh sure enough you know he, he, he threw that slider again and he left it out over the plate and it just I, I don't know what it is but there are a few times in in games where it just feels like things go into slow motion and I, that's exactly what it was like. I mean, it's just like everything slowed down, um, you know, and, and, and just kind of just happened at a very, 
very slow space or, or slow pace, and you know he left that over the plate. I, I left the bat in there and I, I ran into it. And uh, the voices call. I don't know if you've heard that. Jay Harrington at one time had a copy of it on his phone, but it is perfect. I mean, if if we ever could find that, that would be fantastic. But voices call was perfect. I've heard Paris talk about that one a lot. And then what's so funny to hear about that story is uh, Josh Underwood, mm-hmm. who was the uh, basketball SID at the time. He was doing color with Paris on the radio. And uh, that's one of the jokes they always go back to is that walk-off double by Clay Whittemore, Paris is calling it, and Josh Underwood's on color yelling, yes, 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 or whatever it was. And he, he said, I completely ruined the call for Paris, but it was such an exciting moment in JSU baseball history. It, it was perfect. I mean, and, and the thing is, so if you remember, if you've ever gone to Brooks Stadium in Paducah, Kentucky, you'll know that the press box, there's not segregation like there is in many other stadiums. It's, I mean, I, you can look over and see what the other people are talking about. I mean, they're right there. And so Paris, you know, said something, you know, about, you know, Sanford's done and, and headed back to Homewood. And these guys are just kind of, they're just packing up um, because they know uh, what it is. And it's just, it was so, such a such a great call. Uh, I'd put that up against any anything else I've I've heard in other sports. And it was it was a really good job. Now today, I know that you came in a few weeks ago. You saw the baseball stadium for I believe what it was the first time, mm-hmm. and then today you walked through with your family. And since then, we've added some graphics and decorated it a little bit more. But it was your family's first trip through the stadium. Give me your thoughts on Jim Case Stadium. Well, um, you know, I, I came out here when we dedicated it and it fi- I've been out here a few times and every time I come out here it feels like they've improved it in some way there's a finishing touch that you know wasn't there the time before this time it's the graphics and the you know the timeline and even in this room and you know just the little things that um, I think you know on this side of the foul line um, I think it does a lot with the players to help them you know kind of understand hey you're you're a part of something that's bigger than just today um, there's there's been a lot of sweat equity, um, a lot of personal time investment um, by a lot of people, a lot of good people that makes all this possible. And one of the things that I think is positive about that is that you know everywhere you turn in this facility, there's a reminder of that. And so I think it helps motivate you. Um, it's always good to have anchor points and, and things that help you understand you know, this is not about a short-term task. Uh, this is not about a, a daily routine. I'm, I'm part of something that's, you know, meaningful. So on this side of the foul line, I think it's very important. Uh, I think it's a great, uh, it's a great recruiting tool. It's, a, it, you know, it, it, you walk in this place and it, it makes you feel good to be here. Um, so it's very easy to feel at home. You know, I think, uh, you know, the little things like the study rooms, um, the places to kind of, you know, hang out when you're, you know, kind of on downtime. All that is, you know, that's an opportunity to use your time for good instead of doing things that are, you know, not value-add, maybe wasting time. And if you're up here, chances are you're doing something to better yourself, whether it's playing baseball, whether it's studying, whether it's building a relationship with a teammate. So I think there's a lot of good uh, that's going to come from this. On the other side, uh, on the on the playing surface side, first of all, there's not a bad hop on that field. I mean, there is uh, on the the negative to that is there's nowhere to hide. If you boot one, there's really <laughs> nobody to blame but yourself. So, um, but you know, I, this opens up a lot of doors for the team because they can practice any time they want. I mean, it was how many inches of rain did we get today? It, oh, at least so at least a couple, 
and they're out here scrimmaging at 315. We had a river running just through the parking lot of yeah. Burgess Snow Field a few minutes ago. Oh, yeah. So that doesn't happen 10 years ago, uh, 15 years ago when, uh, whenever I was here. Um, but, you know, you can you can get exposure to, to top talent in high school. You know, you don't have to worry about tearing up your field. You can I – mean, it just does a lot for your program. And I can tell you this, too. If this had been here when I was here, um, there would have been a cot – in a blanket somewhere in the equipment room. <laughs> I'd have lived here. Um, you know, I, I, my dad and, and I walked into the hidden facility. It took his breath away. And dad's not easy to be left without words. But all he could say was, you know, this is, wow. I mean, this is incredible. Um, I There's no telling how much time I'd have spent up here and, uh, you know, practicing. Of course, when I was here, all we had was that we had a little, a covered two-cage uh, set up with a couple soft toss nets and so you had to fight elements and fight wind and if it was raining real hard you could only hit in one cage because the wind was blowing in on one side and um, here you can control all the elements and so you get a lot I mean what you're going to have is you're going to have better baseball that's what you're going to have you're going to have better players that have built uh, more skill and you're going to have a better quality baseball team that's what you're going to have walking through here with your family today put yourself you're a 17 or 18 year old high school student or yourself after your first year at Georgia mm -hmm. and you walk through here with your dad is this an automatic yes I'm coming here yeah first of all this is better than Georgia not by little by by far um it's uh you know I've, of course you know I was I hadn't been to Georgia in 15 or however many years but you know if I'm coming here out of high school I don't know, maybe my personality, I'm, I'm a little kind of intimidated. I mean, this is a nicer facility than I've ever, you know, stepped foot in as a high school kid. I've played on nice fields because, you know, you know, various championships and tournaments and East Cobb baseball and all that stuff, but nothing like this. So this is intimidating. And in my mind, what I'd be thinking is, wow, if I'm going to come here, I better be ready to do something because uh, this, is, this is serious. It's game on. So – when you talk about a powerful recruiting tool, there's not a lot of places that can compete like this. I, I remember playing when we were at Jacksonville State down in Troy, and uh, they have the turf uh, playing surface, nothing like this that I remember. Now, maybe they've done other things since then, but, um, you know, it, I, I, it would be, uh, wow. I mean, it really set me back as far as, you know, mentally that, to, to know that, wow, you know, they want me to come play here. That's, that's quite an honor. Since 2008, what has Clay Whittemore been doing? Well, um, you know, in 2008, I graduated uh, the business school here. I went um, straight into MBA at Alabama, and that took me about two years. Uh, during that two years, I got an internship with P&G, and that turned into a full-time job after I uh, graduated MBA. And with uh, Proctor, I moved around a handful of times uh, they're based in Cincinnati, so no matter where I moved, all roads kind of lead back to there. I lived in the Cincinnati area a few times. Um, found myself in Arkansas selling blades and razors and shampoo to Walmart uh, for Procter & Gamble, that, that part of their business, and um, got a really, uh, really good opportunity to come down uh, to South Alabama and do uh, manufacturing finance for, for Honeywell. So I've been doing that for about two years now. That was a really tough decision to, to leave PNG. Proctor's a good company, um, but there was a lot of things right about 
you know, where I'm at right now, and I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Um, living on the, on the Gulf Coast is uh, an enviable uh, position. It's, it's, I've not lived on the coast before, but uh, Rachel and I are, are really enjoying it. Um, I'd like to, we, we've moved every couple of years, just the nature of jobs and things. They like to move you around these days. And what we're hoping for is that we can stay in one place for <laughs> at least more than like two Christmases. I mean, if, if we can, the next time we move, if, if, if we can like not have boxes that haven't been unpacked yet, <laughs> that'd be great. I mean, I, what I found is I was, I've been moving boxes, the same boxes around every two years. And it's like, wow, I wonder what's in there. I really don't know. Um, so, you know, maybe we can stay put for a while. I, I, I certainly uh, would, would have that if, if it's up to me. You are in town tonight. You'll be here for the football game on Saturday. You'll be recognized at the game. Obviously, tonight's dinner is at the Hall of Fame banquet. Mm-hmm. What was for lunch today, and what's going to be dinner tomorrow now that you're back in Jacksonville? What What are the places you have to hit? Yeah, uh, well, the obvious choice is I uh, had the Rocket today. Mm-hmm. So the Rockets was a staple when I, when I was here. In fact, I think, you know, I, I probably – on Saturdays, when I was playing, we had double headers on Saturday. So I think now they do a three-game set Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So when I was playing, we did two games on Saturday, one on Sunday. After double headers on Saturday, we'd go to the Rocket, Mom and Dad and I. And we'd usually we'd get it to go and come back and eat it like out in the intramural area, you know, just something. Um, but we always did that, and then um, Struts was our was our other go-to. So um, Rachel has not been to struts yet i was here a month ago me and greg and coach case uh had that for sure so we're probably gonna hit that up at some point before we leave obviously struts has changed a little bit since you were here the baseball stadium has gone through a a ton of changes what at jacksonville state and, and even with the city has changed when you come back and see it and then uh what are the good things that just remain the same yeah well i think there's a lot of facilities improvements that are obvious to that. I mean, I, I was in Pete uh, Matthews uh, earlier today and that place is also a- amazing. You know, I, when I was here many years ago, we had a small training room kind of tucked away on the visitors or on the women's basketball side. And, you know, we, I think we probably had like four or five tables to get taped up and whatever. And if there was a line, there was a line you had to wait. So to get there early now, they've got multiple training facilities. They've got, you know, Every upgrade that, you know, they absolutely need. The baseball stadium's looking great. Of course, the football stadium, we've been there a few times. The thing that I think stays the same that I really like to see is it's the friendliest campus in the South. And I, I was here a month ago lecturing to the business school a uh, couple classes. And, um, you know, people didn't, didn't even know me. Uh, but, you know, I was trying to find my way around. Of course, they're meeting in Kitty Stone Elementary because of the storms and all that stuff. And, I was trying to find my way around. I didn't even ask anybody where to go, and people were just volunteering to show me the way, and, you know, just people so friendly, and, you know, you don't get that everywhere, but here, um, it hadn't changed a bit, and if I'm 18, 20 years old looking for a place to go away from home uh, for the first time to, you know, go to college and figure out what I want to do, that's exactly the environment that I want to be in. It makes it easy to come here and, and do well when people just are nice. And that's, to me, that's not just the Jacksonville State identity. That's kind of a community thing. I mean, this, the school is kind of an extension of the community, and it's kind of grown um, in that way. And so, you know, I, I really liked to see that, you know, kind of remain unchanged. Well, Clay, thanks so much for coming on with us. Uh, I hope you enjoy your uh, time in Jacksonville. Congratulations once again. 
Hope you enjoy the induction banquet tonight. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. We're going to close out this week's episode by turning it right back over to Clay and play you his acceptance speech from the JSU Athletic Hall of Fame banquet. I'm kind of like Coach Case. I've been over here. I've been in the moment for the last hour, and it hit me about 10 minutes ago. I have to say something in a minute. <laughs> so um, I've prepared some thoughts, but before I do, I'd like to also congratulate the other inductees, especially uh, Abby. Um, Eagle Owl strikes again. <laughs> so, um, wow, I man, have you seen the hardware over there? That is amazing. Uh, there's a lot of awards, uh, well-deserved, a lot of hard work that's went in. Uh, to the athletic program here and to the success uh, over some time. And I think it's great that we're all here to celebrate that and um, to show appreciation. I'm thankful to you. And I'm also thankful for the committee for deeming my body of work to be worthy of this honor. It's, it's humbling. It, it actually makes you feel very small, uh, especially with some of the names that are next to mine. It's, you know, when, when Greg first called me, uh, Couple months ago, I thought, well, you know, he's in he's in the, the Bay Area. Maybe we're gonna go get something to eat or something. And uh, you know, he said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, you know, congratulations, you've been inducted in the Hall of Fame. And I, I really couldn't believe it. You know, I, what it's like to hear those words said about somebody else. It's it's um, it, it you, you kind of hear that a lot, right? And um, but to say that to hear that about yourself, um, wow. I mean, who would have ever thought? It certainly something beyond what I thought that would ever be said of me. So the proverb says, to whom much is given, much is expected. And this seems a very fitting place for that because I've truly been given much. Most importantly, grace and mercy far beyond what I deserve and could ever hope for. And if you're curious about what I mean by that, I'd be glad to share that with you. What makes me most happy about uh, this occasion is that it gives me the chance and opportunity to share my appreciation and thanks to some very special people in a public forum um, in a way that maybe they haven't heard before, but I think it's very important that they do. Coach Case, you're a great coach and a great person. Last year when uh, the baseball uh, stadium was dedicated uh, to Coach Case, they sent out requests for former players and NCAA coaches to send in videos, and they compiled them into a video. And they showed it at the dedication. You've got baseball players and baseball coaches talking about a baseball stadium, and for 30 minutes, hardly anybody talked about baseball. That's because he puts first things first. He invests in young men when uh, and what will likely be the last time they have daily mentorship and influence before going out into the world. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your example. What you do really, really matters. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to play for you. And I think what says even more is that I know my parents are thankful that I got to play for you. My teammates, so there were some stats mentioned earlier. And uh, there's one that I'd like to talk about just a little bit more. 
Over three seasons, I had 175 RBIs, and I did my own math on that, so I'm glad that it actually lined up with what was in the video. <laughs> um, and I had 14 home runs. And when you hit a home run, you get credit for batting yourself in, plus anybody else that was on base at the time. And so I'll take full credit for the 14 RBIs. But the 161 other RBIs are there because my teammates were on base. That's more than 90% of the time. Think about that. A reporter asked me one time after a game how I always seemed to come through in the clutch. And I told him it wasn't very hard to be clutch when you've got Burt Smith or Todd Cunningham stand on second base every single time you come up to the plate. And he wrote that in the paper. Dad, if you've thrown me one pitch of batting practice, <laughs> I bet you've thrown 100,000. You taught me work ethic before I really even knew what it was when I was a kid. I remember spending the night at my friend's house, and mom had to come over really early the next morning to pick me up before we really got a chance to play. And my friend asked me why I had to leave so early. And I said, it's because me and my dad have to go get work ethic. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like we were going to go to a store and get some work ethic. <laughs> you come by it honest, though, Dad. You taught me leadership and responsibility. In Little League, I remember before big games or in critical situations, maybe we'd be down. You'd come up to me and you'd say, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's not baseball, Dad. That's life. Mom, you're the sweetest, most tender-hearted, unselfish person I've ever known. For as long as I've known you, you've spent all your time and energy making sure everybody else is taken care of without even thinking about yourself. I was talking with Caleb and Kaylee, my brothers and sisters, uh, this week about what a great mom you are. And, after all the examples and stories, we couldn't really sum up in any other way than to say, you're a wonderful, wonderful mother. Rachel, my wife, I know our chapter came after this one, but I'm glad you can see a part of it now. I wasn't ready for you then anyway, and I still had some lessons to learn and growing up to do to be what you need me to be. If God asked me what kind of life I wanted before I was born and you know what kind of family and parents I would have and what kind of life experiences and opportunities I wanted and I asked for the life that I have now and the people that are in it he would either think that I was very wise or very selfish and greedy I'm not sure which but I've been given much coming back to Jacksonville refreshes very special memories that fit together kind of like a collection of short stories. Um, little snippets uh, here and there of uh, defining or special moments that still have color in memory. And you know what those are. Some memories are in black and white, some are in color. My first college home run uh, off the light pole in left center against uh, Middle Tennessee over there at Rudy Abbott. Um, hung a slider, it was 2-0. Who throws a slider on 2-0? <laughs> but I, I hit it. Uh, the come from behind game winning 
uh, walk-off double to win the conference tournament against Sanford. That was my first year. That was kind of a critical point for me. It's, you know, we, that was my first year at Jacksonville State. And I didn't start my career at Jacksonville State. Um, but at that moment in that time, I felt like, wow, this is, this is really clicking. I mean, this is going to be different. And the voices call on the radio was perfect. Jay Harrington has that on his phone somewhere. You need to look him up. That, if you haven't heard that, that was a treat. And, and Brooks Stadium isn't like if you've ever been to it in Paducah. It's not like the normal press boxes where every team has their own section. I mean, it's all one area. So the Sanford guys were like right there. And the voice is going nuts over here. And the Sanford guys are just packing up their stuff, getting ready to go. It was great. It, it, what a moment. Also in Paducah, Kentucky, the best throw I've ever made in my life. From right field to third base for the third out of an inning in a tight game. I'm still not sure how the ball came out of my hand like that. Uh, it was a hit and run with a man on first, and he was around second before I even got the ball. And somehow, in a whirl of motion, I threw a laser strike in the air uh, to get the guy and end the inning. I have no idea how I made that throw. I've never thrown that well in practice or any other time in my life, but it happened for me on that day. And sometimes, as an athlete, you just gotta, just gotta take it and move on because it may not happen again. And for me, it didn't. <laughs> but I have that one. Also in the conference tournament, I remember being on second base and we were down by a couple runs. There was a man on third and I was on second. Brian Piazza was at the plate. And one of my favorite things to do was to steal the signs from the catcher. I love doing that. And so if you're on second, what, and if you watch TV and there's a runner on second in the major leagues or college, they'll put down multiple signs. You know, they'll, they'll try to mix it up so you won't know. Because people are smart. They know the runner on second is going to try to help their buddy out. And so my, one of my favorite things to do is try to kind of decode that, figure out what, what they were really doing. And I was able to do it. And he ended up, you know, getting a hit, and I scored from second. And you know, there's a, a wild and crazy picture somewhere of us, you know, just storming at home plate because when I hit the plate, the game was over. But I loved being able to help my teammate out when he's doing battle, because uh, baseball it's a team sport, but it's a team sport made up of individual matchups: pitcher against batter, runner against fielder. And in that moment when you're battling feeling like you can help out your fellow man, give him an edge. I love that. So it was one of my favorite things to do. I remember going to the Rocket in Jacksonville <laughs> after doubleheaders with mom and dad on Saturdays. And we would either eat it there, or take it out, eat it on the intramural field, something. There's not really much to those things, but they stick with you. you know, those are special moments. I remember the last out. Uh, I was watching the last out be made <clears throat> from the on-deck circle in my last game in Paducah, Kentucky. And instead of the competitive frustration that comes with losing a game, instead I decided to soak in the finality of the moment. And it, it was the last time. And it sounds really sad. And in, in a way it is, because something really, really good was over. But it's hard to only be sad when you have a three-year chapter of your life um, that includes characters like Jim Case, Steve Gillespie, 
Travis Jansen, Todd Cunningham, Josh Hoyle, Bert Smith, Brian Piazza, and others. It's hard to have a good story without good characters. And so when it was over, I felt like I could say I left it better than I found it, and I felt good about that, but then I realized the greater truth is it left me better than it found me. Thank you. That does it for this week's edition of Behind the Beat. Be sure to check back in Tuesday, December 3rd, as we release a new episode. Until then, for Avery Davis, I am Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening, and go Gamecocks. This has been Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting jsugamecocksports.com. For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, jsugamecocksports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSU Gamecocks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 